Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This is Hemet and Jessica, and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast to support the show. Uh, use your Christmas present money mm-hmm. um, to support That's everything. You get ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, good times. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hi. We are trying to record this before Snowpocalypse takes over where it we're living. It truly has already started, and it's only 11, and they're not calling for it to start start until noon. I so know. we're going to rock and roll through this Absolutely. so we can all be safe. <laughs> <laughs> and by safe, we mean just like under six feet of snow and yeah, not 12. It's going to be a mess, gang. Uh, let's Whew. start with... Uh, Amy Grant. Do you remember Amy Grant, the Christian singer? I was going to say, is she a singer? Yeah. She is. She probably wrote one song that I can remember that crossed over into the mainstream. Which is? Uh, Baby, Baby. Oh. I thought that was a perfect opening for you. There you go. So that's the only thing I know about her. That is her. Cool. Uh, But she's famous for being a... You're confused again. Thank you. She's a contemporary (laughs) Christian singer who, in the world of Christian music, is about as super starry as you can get. Uh We're talking not just multiple Grammys, mainstream. Sure. um, And three multi-platinum albums, six number one hits. I can't remember any of the other ones. Um, (laughs) But she's also gotten, like in the Christian Grammys, the Dove Awards, she's gotten like two dozen of those and multiple... And like lifetime achievement, like many times over, or artist of the year multiple times Uh at those places. So, how's she doing? Doing How is she doing? Good question. She was recently awarded a Kennedy Center Honors, like one of only a handful of people that get this like lifetime achievement award and honored in a special that will air on PBS at some time in the near future. Okay. It's a big deal. And it's not just a big deal for anybody. Mm-mm. It's a big deal because she is the first like contemporary Christian singer mm-hmm. who became famous in that world and grew up in that world to get that particular award. Okay. Which you would think, like, listen, if you're a Christian and you grew up with her music or something, you would think, all right, this cool. is a good deal. Like, it means our message is getting through in a large way because of what she did. There's reason to celebrate that. Wait, can yeah. it just be that she's a good songwriter? And that too. So, like, I don't know if it... Anybody okay. could be a good songwriter, I mean, in that world, but she's specifically unique in that she became famous in the Christians. Like, Katy Perry grew up in the Christian circuit. It's sounding of, like, she's crossed over into mainstream success. <laughs> but that is that is the reason she was so celebrated for so many years. Like, years ago, I, I could be wrong on the year, but, like, Many years ago, she got divorced mm. and remarried uh, Vince Gill, country superstar Vince Gill. 
But when she got divorced, she was the Christian singer who got divorced. And a lot of like fundies evangelicals were mad about that and pissed off about that. Um, Those two, by the way, have been married since then. It's been a while now. Okay. Um, But here's what the reason I bring this up. Recently, the Washington Post did a profile of Amy Grant because she's getting this huge honor. Uh And one section, after going through her like lifetime resume, one section said this. In recent years, she has voiced support for the LGBTQ community where she has had a large fan base for decades. Okay. Now she talks about her and husband Vince Gill's plans to host her niece's wedding at their farm, which is her family's first bride and bride nuptials. Grant recalls her reaction when she learned her niece had come out. What a gift to our whole family to just widen the experience of our whole family. Here's her quote. Honestly, from a faith perspective, I do always say, Jesus, you just narrowed it down to two things. Love God and love each other, Grant said. I mean, hey, that's pretty simple. So that was her quote. Like, I'm not going to disown my niece because she's having a same-sex marriage. I want to host it on the farm, which she can do because she has money because she's Amy Grant. Mm -hmm. Um, So fine, cool. She's hosting a wedding for her family member, and it happens to be a same-sex wedding. Again, this should be an an afterthought. Yeah. Like if you're if you know nothing else about her, it's okay. She's a famous singer. Baby, oh, baby, and also baby, she's baby, doing yeah. this thing for her niece. That's interesting. So Franklin Graham, evangelist Franklin Graham, who never says the right thing. No, here's what he said in response. No, who asked him in response? Himself. He decided. You, you know say what? In response, as if somebody's like, "Hey, Franklin Graham, we really need your hot fucking take on this one." Franklin Graham's entire existence now is providing hot takes on everything involving Christians because he has like 10 gazillion followers on Facebook. So here was his response to the comment she made that Jesus is all about love God and love each other. Franklin Graham says, yes, we are to love God and love each other, but, but, and you know, it's going to be good after he says, Mm -hmm. but if we love God, Mm -hmm. dot, 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 you know, his word is clear that uh, homosexuality is sin. Sure. For me, loving others also means caring about their souls and where they will spend eternity. You gotta. So Franklin Graham's idea of love is telling LGBTQ people, including your own family members, they mm-hmm. deserve to be tortured forever mm-hmm. because that's what happens when you only read one book in your life. Well, and that's what love is. Hey, I love you so much. I need to tell you that in my philosophy, you're an Asshole. Yes. Tony Perkins, the hate Many group. Many blessings on your day. <laughs> <laughs> hate group leader, uh, Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council. Too many Christians have conflated love with affirmation. We cannot affirm all choices. Wait, love with affirmation? Like, Those I are... love you, therefore I have to pretend everything you're doing is okay. That is not what God wants us to do, says oh, the guy not. who posed in front of a Confederate flag when he was running for office back in the day. Well, I think God didn't say anything about slavery, so what's, we're fine. What's interesting is they didn't say anything in any of their comments this week uh-huh. about the divorce, <laughs> which, because in their mind, hey, that would also be a sin, <laughs> but they didn't care about that. That's, that's past, they've gotten over that one. <laughs> Um, And by the way, they shouldn't. It's none of their business. But they are clearly picking and choosing which sins, in big quotation marks, to condemn. They just, they don't give a damn about anything else that she's ever done. And again, the irony here is that people like them should be celebrating Amy Grant because because she's a best-selling Christian singer who crossed over into the mainstream without ever shying away 
from saying she's a Christian singer, she probably introduced more people to Christian music Mm -hmm. and Christianity Mm -hmm. and the message of Christ than pretty much any artist in her position. She is the like an awesome ambassador for the faith. Not Perkins, not Franklin Graham. They could have congratulated her for doing what they failed to do, which is making Christianity appealing. But instead they're like, no, how dare she show love by being nice to her niece. My kind of analysis of this is that they, the Franklin Grahams of the world are completely bailing on the idea of like, a big tent for everybody. All are welcome. We need to spread the word. And now we're focusing on like purity, right? Like yeah. y- you, y- now it's an exclusive club that you can't get it. And it's no longer, oh, come in. We have room for everybody. Now it's right. like, you have to do these four horrible things. Otherwise you don't count <laughs> oh, I'm as sorry, a- you voted for a Democrat. Right. You're not welcome Truly, in this evangelical like that's, church. I think that's what they're doing. They're just relying on their base being more galvanized. Yeah. And th- it's going to work. Until all those people die. <laughs> I mean, it's going to work until it doesn't. And I don't sure. know if it's a demographic shift like you're referencing, or they become a smaller, more homogenous base, because that does seem to be what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even younger Christians, by and large, more so than their predecessors, do not want the type of Christianity Truly. that Franklin Graham is selling, that Perkins is selling. It's really not sustainable anymore yeah not with the large swaths of the country where people have you know internet access sociologist uh, ryan bird just posted something this morning which was like the number of people who say they are not religious but and don't go to church uh-huh. and don't consider religion uh-huh. like important that number is higher today than it has ever been in the right. past that combination because it's not just apathetic right. To religion. It's people who are like, no, I'm not going to church on Mm -hmm. Christmas and Easter. No, Mm -hmm. I don't think religion, it needs to be a part of my life. Like that number is going up too. And those are not all atheists. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like generationally, and I can only speak for myself, but like in the last five or 10 years, more people I know have been like, "Mm, I'm going to pass on church. Like it used to be a peer pressure. Like I'm staying with my family, so we have to go to church on Christmas Eve or whatever they do. And I think more and more people are like, no, I'm good, actually. Um, It'll be interesting because Sunday is Christmas. And Mm. usually those two days, Sunday and Christmas, don't align, which means for a lot of people, um, for a lot of religious people, they got to decide. It's one thing to go to mass on Christmas, (laughs) Uh but it's like uh, Christmas morning. What do I want to do? Do I want to spend it with my family Mm. at home if that's a thing you do? Or do I want to go to church this morning if with my family? And I think there's a lot of people, and this is the concern from a lot of pastors. Uh uh, A lot of churches have said, you know what? We're not going to hold a service on Sunday. Go spend it with your family. Really? Because family is what matters, which I get. That makes sense as a But I don't understand why? Why? Because what is... What changed this year from last year? Uh, if Christmas is on a Saturday, you could spend Saturday with your family and then go to church on Sunday. But don't they expect you to go to church on Christmas anyway? Um, yeah, but uh, so, maybe briefly for a mass or something like that. But like, huh. it is different when it's Christmas morning. Okay. No, no, no. Don't spend it with your family opening yeah, yeah. gifts. Come to church instead. And ties. <laughs> and ties, of course. But I think there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? I don't care enough about mm. church as to give up the time I could be spending with my family. So, you know, if they want to hold a service at night, that's one thing. If they want to do it the day before or day after, that's one thing. But there are a lot of pastors who are trying to figure out, should I just cancel services on Sunday and put out out some statement like, listen, 
it's on Christmas. We've spent all year telling you why Christmas matters, <laughs> yeah. but now go spend it with your family because that's mm. what matters. And then a bunch of other pastors who are like, oh my God, look at these liberal, woke, whatever, <laughs> telling people not to come to church on the most important church day or second most or whatever. Like, let them fight. Fine. Sure. But I I love that it's huh. at a time when less, fewer people are going to church. Right. It's like, you know what? I'd rather spend... You know, if the weather sucks, uh-huh. I'm just going to stay in. I'm good. If you want to DoorDash me some church, fine. <laughs> I am not going to get up and waste my morning on Sunday on Christmas. Yeah, it's almost like they're trying to get out ahead of like low Christmas church attendance. <laughs> they're like, right. shit, the numbers are going to be really bad. We're just going to cancel it. We're just cancel yeah. it. And the response from some of the uh, conservatives are like, you already caved in during COVID by oh, not spreading diseases. Boy. How dare you cancel on Christmas? It's great. It's so much fun to That's watch that fight play out. It's extremely funny. Um, let's talk about this disturbing annoying story and i say annoying because it concerns atheists and like i don't know i don't like reporting on other atheists especially ones i know we're not but, gossipy um this story involves mandisa thomas the president of black non-believers and i'm trying to say this as like factually based as i can because there are also rumors running around but here's okay. what happened they w- annual they for the past couple of years, they've taken a cruise minus the COVID years, I think, but they've, they've taken a cruise with members, affiliates, whoever wants to come. Oh, we've talked about and this a little bit. That's passing, awesome. Right. Uh, maybe. Uh, okay. Like, so they take their cruise and this year after they returned from their cruise, um, there was a statement that was put out by a handful of affiliate regional directors, like mm-hmm. organizers of black non-believers And basically, here's one section of their letter. After careful consideration, due diligence, and a thorough internal investigation of events that culminated horribly, dot, 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 on the cruise, we Mm. are unable to participate in a future together as we originally hoped to. Hmm. Basically, a lot of these regional directors said, something happened, we want out. Mm -hmm. They also said, we conclude that to permit unethical behavior or behaviors behind the scenes will lead and is leading to a loss of good people and reputation for the organization that we love and spent 10 years to build. Codes of conduct need to be agreed upon by the entire leadership team, consistently communicated, and then evenly applied. Okay. So that was the statement they put out earlier this month. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, I... There's no specifics in there. I don't know what anyone did or what you're referencing. Yeah. So that's when I started reaching out to people. Because the letter, by the way, I should say, did not have any names attached to it. Mm. Not in the substance of the letter and not signed. They signed it by the city they were affiliate leaders of. Okay. And so it's like, okay, so I reached out to uh, one person who posted the letter and got traction. We talked about stuff. I also talked to other people who were frustrated people who were like not frustrated and they thought this was an act of over the top rebellion from people who okay. might have had other beefs and stuff like that. And uh-huh. trying to parse through a lot of hearsay and a lot of rumors, that's sure. the part that's hard to do anything with. Sure. But some shit went down. And so hmm. at, I wasn't, this is where I was like frustrated. Cause I'm like, it's all rumor. I've, worked with Mandisa. I have no problem with her. I have uh-huh. always had a good working and relationship with her. And they're not specific about any allegations. No. Right. So not th- in the letter. And so at this point, okay. I was like, it sounds like it's, if it's a personal beef between people, because that happens. Sure. I don't care. Of course not. Why um, would I? But then 
the uh, this is what happened more recently. Uh, Mandisa, during an episode of her group's podcast in the cut, it's on YouTube as well. Um, they she issued a statement, um, basically saying, "I reacted to a personal matter during the cruise this year, and while it was independent of the official." Black non-believers events, Mm -hmm. it did impact some attendees and members of the organizing team. While I acknowledged and accepted my responsibility for said reaction, made apologies to individuals that were affected, and made corrective actions before the cruise ended, the decision of the former organizers to, like, leave the organization has Mm -hmm. been accepted. Same deal, where it's like, it's vague, sounds like you apologize, but I'm not exactly sure for what. She dealt with a a personal matter. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she handled it poorly. I don't... Yeah. Is this anything? Is this anything is the question. And so for two weeks, I'm going from, I hear rumors. I'm, I'm not writing about this. I'm not right. saying anything about this because I, it's all just that. Um, and then this... And there were, by the way, I should say, other critics. I'm not going to go through every single back and forth here. Right. Um, and people defending whatever happened or didn't happen. But the American Humanist Association, more recently, uh, she serves on their board of directors, and they basically said she has taken a leave of absence from their board while the group... um, Let me get the wording correctly here. Uh, The AHA board has discussed the information provided and has resolved to look into the matter completely Mm -hmm. and thoroughly in line with the values of our organization. As they do that, Mandisa has taken a leave of absence and withdrawn from all responsibilities, including participation with the American Humanist Association board. Okay. Okay. So she's stepping away while they investigate. And by the way, they should. Go look into it. You yeah. figure out if it's worth anything to you. She, uh, Mandisa, we're still not quite clear what it is. Publicly correct. American Atheist, she also serves on that board. She did not do a leave of absence there, but they said, we have heard the things people are worried about, and we are looking into that as well. So, fine. Everyone's looking into it. That's kind of where we're at. Um, And it's just frustrating, because I'm like, I like her. I like the group, and I'm concerned by the rumors, but right now they are just rumors, and I'm like... At some point, Religion News Service, uh, the Wire organization, wrote a story about this where they spoke with some of the people who had written the letters. Uh And again, they didn't get any more specific about what the allegations are. What it sounds like to me is there was a personal matter that turned in, that was mixed into the professional life. Like if you're mixing your personal issues and your professional issues. Which happens when you're friends with the people you work with. Yeah. That's life. And I think a lot of the people that she was talking to as personal friends were seeing this as a professional overstepping of the bounds. And that's what they were concerned about. And that's what they didn't like. And that's why they were like, listen, if you want to bring your personal side into this, we need to step away because we don't want to be involved in any of this. Um, I don't know how this ends. I just want to point out that like the atheist community at large doesn't have a great relationship with black people in general. Black non-believers was one of a handful of groups and probably the biggest group, I think, that was trying to fix that gap. Um, And part of that means making it clear that uh, black atheists Mm -hmm. in America have a unique set of struggles that they're working against and that 
the arguments, I'm not picking on Richard Dawkins here, but the arguments he makes as to why you shouldn't believe in God mm-hmm. are not necessarily going to work with black people the same way they might other people because there's a cultural difference that people need to know about. There are other family issues they need to know about sure. that impact black atheists just like they would ex-Muslims mm-hmm. or ex-whatever religious groups. And so this group was trying to has been trying to bridge that gap. I should say about 21 percent of black americans are non-religious according to the pew research center 21 percent but only three percent would call themselves atheists or agnostics which means if you ask a random person even one who cares about atheism hey name a black atheist they probably anecdotally i say this they probably couldn't name any right and this is a group that's been trying to do that i should say that a lot of the uh larger atheist groups american atheists for example they have sometimes tried to fix that problem in super clumsy ways mm-hmm. with billboard campaigns, awkwardly worded billboard yeah. campaigns. They've tried social justice alliances. They've yeah. tried commissioning surveys to explain those unique struggles. Sometimes that breaks through in the mainstream, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as important as having black people who are able to speak proudly and openly mm-hmm. about what it means to be a black atheist. Yeah. And Mandisa Thomas has been one of those voices for a long time. Obviously not the only one, but... Right. It would be frustrating on a personal level, if anything, if these bore out and she had to not do the work she's doing. Um, But also, I'm glad people aren't looking into it. And I hope they come to a responsible decision, whatever that is. Yeah, this whole thing is just confusing to me. Awkward story and hard story because people are not wanting to share personal details, I think. Which is fair. Yeah, but, but also, also it leaves open stuff. Yeah, it's hard to know how to react to something. Like, is this something that is genuinely very serious that we need to be aware of, or is it? I should say, a there's no allegations. Standing, there's of, no allegations of like criminal acts. There's no like she stole money. That's nothing like that. It just seems like a personal issue that crossed over into a professional issue, okay. and people just were not comfortable with that. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump to this story from Bucksport, Maine, Bucksport. which Bucksport, which um, I guess for many years now, like decades now, they've put up a nativity scene on public property. Cool. You normally it's one of those things that it's like once people find out you're doing it and they're like, oh, you can't just put up a Christian scene on public property well, we will tell you that you can't do this and now it's your job to figure this out how to handle throwback it. like new atheist shit we're getting back to yeah um and here's it's the thing we're done with the displays on public property they still put up the nativity every christmas for over 75 years oh. they put up a nativity scene well if they've been doing on public old, property if they've been breaking the law for a long time it's okay <laughs> right and so this year, the main chapter of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, they were like, oh, well, you know what? We live here, too. Mm. We have a request. We want to put up a sign of our own in the same way on public property. Mm-hmm. Their sign is basically, it says, joy to the world. It's basically a secular nativity scene with uh, who's on this thing, like Ben Franklin, George, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, surrounding the Statue of Liberty. And it, instead of Jesus in the manger, it's a baby Bill of Rights. Um, no. Like, whatever. Winter solstice. Reason for the season. Can and I be an asshole? No. Ugh, I hate so that. they're like, Ugh. doesn't matter if you don't like it. Okay. They're saying, hey, we have a display, too. We want to put it up. And the town has two options we at this point. We also worship old white men. Yeah, whatever. This Their request, if their argument is if the town allows a Christian display 
up, then you got to put up other groups' displays as well. That is the argument. And the town's lawyer told the uh, city council, like, yeah, they're right. You have a choice. What do you want? You either have to take down the nativity or give the nativity to a private group and let them put it up. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Or allow other holiday displays to join the manger scene. Right. So what did the town do? They're like, we're not, we're going to take down the nativity. We do not want the atheists sign up, which legally, fine. They're allowed to do that. That's a safe move. But then, of I, course, uh, they unleashed backlash from a bunch of conservative citizens. What? Um, like one person in the community said, of course, the nativity scene has very personal significance, but it's also part of the heritage of Bucksport, huh. which is something that everyone cites when it's their personal, like just ask people in, I don't know, South Carolina about the Confederate flag. It's the same argument. It's tradition. It's heritage. I want like, it and you're not letting me have it. Yeah. And I want it. Um, the FFRF Maine's president, Tom Waddell, he said, there's a simple solution. They may decide to give the nativity display to a church. And that church may ask like a place really close to where they displayed the nativity scene. Uh-huh. They could put it up on the private property. That would be a win-win situation. We've been giving solutions out for decades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and to be clear, the atheist group was not saying we want the nativity scene to come down. They were saying, oh, well, if you're given that privilege oh, are we to doing a Christian this? <laughs> group, then we want the same treatment. Right. And equal treatment doesn't go over well with people who are used to Christian privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, Waddle even said in a letter to the Bucksport Enterprise newspaper, we do not oppose any religion. We oppose laws that seek to privilege one religious group o- uh, over another mm-hmm. under the guise of freedom of religion. Good. The main chapter of FFRF did not cause the removal of the nativity scene. We did make the town aware that keeping the nativity scene on public property requires the town to allow other groups to set up their display as well. Okay. Very straightforward, just saying we want the same treatment. They had a city council, town council meeting, I should say, like last week. Lengthy discussion about what to do with this nativity scene because it's the only thing anyone cares about. Yeah, I'm sure nothing else is going on in Maine in December. They spent nearly an hour of public comment time with citizens saying, you got to keep this thing up. Because uh, To give you a flavor of the comments, one lady said the atheists would come after the American flag next. We do famously come after the American (laughs) flag. It was just a silly comment. Like, just... Ignorant person after ignorant person explaining why the Christian display should stay up and no others. Um, But ultimately, after initially taking it down, they decided to put up the nativity scene back up. (sighs) And they decided to put up the Freedom From Religion Foundation's poster at another public location. Not exactly equal treatment. Waddle told me he saw it as like a stopgap measure to avoid a lawsuit while they buy some time to figure it out. Um, So we'll see what they decide. But it's just funny to me that this totally non-offensive poster from the atheist group, they're just like, look, just put it up next to wherever you put up the Christian display or whatever. That caused all this chaos because these people are so used to getting their way to promote Christianity. So delicate. So delicate. It's wild. Um, This story made me genuinely happy because... It wasn't intended to go public, but yeah. Christian hate preacher Jonathan Shelley. Okay. uh, This guy who has just made a reputation for saying crazy, harmful, offensive things. You have to narrow that down. That's all we talk about on this show. (laughs) Um, But he's a a hate preacher. He runs a place called Steadfast Baptist Church. He posted a video on Sunday morning, like one of those selfie videos, like I'm talking to you from the parking lot. Oh, boy. He said... 
uh, we need to find a new location for our church because, and I'm quoting here, nobody really wants to lease to us. And then he said his church has also been hit with a lot of legal fees, but he didn't go into uh, much specificity there. So here's the backstory with Jonathan Shelley. This is a guy who, this is a new independent fundamentalist Baptist preacher. Uh He has said in the past, he would not shed a single tear if an extremist murdered everyone in a gay bar. He has repeatedly wished for or called for the death of gay people and abortion providers. Mm. He's burned non-KJV Bibles because they're not true Bibles. He's perpetuated the Alex Jones BS about Sandy Hook. Uh He delivered an anti-Semitic rant where he said, we would be lucky if 6 million Jews actually perished in the Holocaust. One, suggesting that number is not accurate. And two, I wish it were accurate because whatever. That's fucked. Like, he is a messed up dude. And then... He's both anti-Semitic and a Holocaust... I guess those go hand in hand. That was a (laughs) stupid thing to say. And then he... It's not just something he confines to his church. He went to the Arlington City Council in Texas meeting... And made a public comment saying, like, uh, you're acknowledging Pride Month in this town. You shouldn't because... And then he quoted the same stuff about... Uh, sure, you got to quote that stuff. Calls That's for a violence. good stuff. So back in February of this year, this church that has been at a location in the city of Hearst, Texas... Okay. The uh, church said it was being evicted. He basically said the landlord doesn't <laughs> want us here because of all the hate speech. Um and then that they, doesn't feel like the words he used. Uh, no, that was my words. Uh, <laughs> but the church moved around like they rented space at a local hotel for a couple of weeks uh-huh. in a conference room until they settled at another place in a nearby city. But here's the thing. The church appealed the first eviction. They're like, you can't kick us out of here. We paid our bills. We did everything. Uh-huh. Um, but by August, a judge upheld the landlord's decision to kick them out. Whoa. Basically, really? the, the owner of the place, who, by the way, runs a Christian nonprofit called Fellowship of the Sword. <laughs> um, he's, his argument Fellowship was the not... ring, sir. <laughs> he's saying, I'm not kicking them out because they're Christian. He's saying, I'm worried about the safety of the protesters who are gathering outside the church and what that means for the other tenants in this strip mall that he owns. And he's saying the location of this church is not only hurting, causing potential safety concerns, Uh it's hurting all my businesses here. That's why I'm not giving them this lease. Um, People need to be told that even a church cannot go around spewing threats of violence. Wait, wait, wait. Are there consequences for this man's actions? And so the judge said, yeah, that's a legitimate reason to kick this church out. There's nothing illegal about that. You violated whatever terms of the lease there were. And so they also ordered the church to pay $42,000 in attorney's fees for wasting everyone's time appealing this decision. Wow. So this is the legal battle this uh, Jonathan Shelley's been on. Uh-huh. But now his, I guess the new landlord in his new place also doesn't want him there. Sure. And that's like why... he's a liability. Uh-huh. And so now he's like, you guys, I need a new church. Can you give me money so I can buy a new church or something? I don't know Mom, where... they won't let me have my church anymore. <laughs> I know all he has to do do is walk upstairs and ask his parents for some more money, but he's not doing that. Of course he's not. Um, I don't know where he's going to find a new church home. I don't know who would be foolish enough to rent him space because no matter how much rent money you are asking for, I promise you it's not worth the negative publicity that comes from letting this hate group on your property. Um, 
But I would say oh the location, God. I'm not even joking about this, if he did it in his like parents' basement or whatever, the new IFB pastors, as anyone who follows me on Twitter would have seen, it doesn't matter how many people are in the audience for their sermons. Uh-huh. What, and that's why they rent space at strip malls. Like, I just need a cheap space where I can rent a space Truly. so I can do this. All that matters to them is live streaming their sermons mm-hmm. to their people online. So why is he concerned about not getting into a church then? Like, I think can't if he you theory... don't have a good space to broadcast from... Yeah, I guess there's a the live performance aspect of yeah, it that like, they you know can't that recreate they, at your computer. They know that amateur hour from your basement, which they sometimes do, sure. is not as good as They're having a place with your sign on the back wall right. or the painting on the back wall. And the thing is... YouTube has technically banned them on their various formats as well, but they keep popping up new accounts. Yeah. And YouTube has not figured out how to ban all the tentacles of their channels. So, like, I still get their messages from YouTube. Yeah. Um, YouTube hasn't Are you seeking them out? Oh, hell yeah, I am. I want to know what these people are doing. Okay. But I get them on YouTube because they haven't found a way... Uh, YouTube has not found a way to eradicate this hate speech on their platform. That's their problem, and they haven't done it. Like, do you want me to make a list? I've done it before. Sure. But they still haven't gotten rid of it, and they haven't found a way to stop all the pop-ups. Wow. And it's like, you know what they're streaming. You have the fingerprints on the digital stuff. You could easily say, if this guy pops up, no. Of course. They're not doing that yet. Oh, boy. But I am amused that he's like, you guys, they're kicking me out again. Guys, my mom said I can do it. It's great. So funny. Uh, Let's give a shout out to our sponsor for this episode. If you enjoy blasphemous humor, it turns out God has a podcast. It's called The God Pod, and it's co-hosted by God and Jesus, or solo hosted if your theology is right about Christianity. God is basically tired of everyone taking cheap shots at him, and he wants to set the record straight. And along the way, he speaks with his buddies, as well as comedians, scientists, and other people who are probably destined to spend eternity in hell. That includes me, by the way. I was on an earlier episode debating God. Naturally, I won. And I also enjoyed another episode where he damns the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade. And you will have to listen to learn why that made him so angry. You can't go wrong with adding the God Pod to your rotation. It's incredibly funny. There is never a dull show. I just got an email this week from a listener who found them by listening to us, and she said she was a big fan of the show. Uh, Unsolicited. It was awesome. (laughs) Search for the God Pod on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcasts, and we thank them for sponsoring this show. Let me go to this story in the Catholic Church because this one was surprising to me. It turns out, according to the Catholic News News Agency, Frank Pavone, who is a Catholic priest, pretty much well-known for being like an anti-abortion zealot and a mega-cultist, apparently they kicked him out of the priesthood, and they did it in early November, and no one knew about it. And the Catholic news agency was the first to report that this guy was kicked out of the priesthood on November 9th with no possibility of appeal. Like, got a letter from the Vatican saying, you're gone, and no, there's no appeals process here. And again, this is a big deal because this guy had become known for years 
for like I know the Catholic Church is anti-abortion. Right. This guy was too extreme for them. And he was promoting Trump like in his time. And he ran a group called this is funny. He ran a group called Priests for Life. And now he's not a priest anymore, so I don't know what they're going to do with that. Because, like, uh, you can't have a non-priest running that show. Certainly But in his most famous stunt that he did, that kind of got the attention of a lot of people, in 2016, when Trump was running for president, and I think was the pick at that point, he was the Republican nominee, Uh uh, Frank Pavone posted a video where he was making an argument that basically Catholics need to vote for Donald Trump because of the abortion issue, and he used an actual dead fetus as a political prop on the table so you could see that as he's making this pitch, which raises a question of, where the hell did you get that from? That's not okay. And pe- Where the fuck did he get that from? That's a great there, and it's a question. Real, it was a real, real fetus that he had on the table Jesus as a prop. Christ. This is the sort of shit this guy oh, so pulls. So they're literally using babies as props yes. now. Yes. Good job, guys. Um, I believe the word for that starts with a G, ends with a rumor. I don't know how it works in their world anymore. But the oh, thing is, like, it. they claim to be pro-life. They never, this guy never talks about the life of the women, never talks about how to care for the babies he supposedly wants to save. Yeah. He does oppose contraception of course he does gotta um and he opposes the sort of public policies that would make it easier to raise a child in a safe environment Mm -hmm. but again i would argue that that stunt even if people thought it was extreme falls right in line with catholic doctrine on abortion yeah because they oppose contraception and birth control and abortion of course catholic church is horrible when it comes to that issue um, he never urged women to use birth control, never put condoms on his altar. No, no, no. He's putting up this fetus. Oh, gross. Um, but the Catholic Church did not kick him out in 2016. So then, like, what's the issue? What it is may issue? have been that a priest was making an explicit political endorsement instead of, like, a subtle one like they usually do. Oh, but again, he okay. continued to be a priest for years. Here's where it gets even weirder. No one really knew where this guy worked. He's a priest. It's like, oh, well, what diocese are you a part of? And no one really seemed to know the answer. This is an article on the Priests for Life website. It says Pavone received permission from the Vatican in 2019 to transfer from the Diocese of uh, Amarillo, Texas, where he was incarnated in 2005, to another unnamed diocese. Where did he transfer to? I don't know. And it doesn't sound like it's public information, which is weird. Um, it's wait. So this I guy's working never... as a priest. On it's like Untethered. saying, "Oh, I'm a teacher. Oh, what school do you work at?" Not right I'm now. not telling you. It's like you're a public school teacher. This is not hidden information. Hey, Where do you work? Can you just be like a floating priest? Nope. You got to have a home base. Is that true? I think so. Huh. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. There. Don't. Uh, don't send care. emails to Jessica. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't think it was that either because the Vatican clearly knew where he was working. Someone had to tell the Vatican. Here's what may have done the trick to getting him kicked out of the priesthood. In 2020, he posted uh, tweets that were then deleted where he said uh, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden Uh was a goddamn loser and said the Democratic Party was God-hating and America-hating and that Biden supporters can't say a goddamn thing in support of their loser candidate without using the word Trump. What the hell do you have to say for yourselves, losers? Said the Catholic priest. So... 
I think what? there was a chance <laughs> he got kicked out now because he used the word goddamn as opposed to the fetus shit or as opposed to the tell everyone oh, to vote boy. for Trump. Oh, Though it idiot. seems weird to say offensive tweets got this guy kicked out of the priesthood when other priests have received way less punishment for far worse behavior. Um, but here's the thing that they publicly said was the reason they're kicking him out. His biggest problem was not obeying orders from someone above him in the Catholic hierarchy. Uh-huh. Father Pavone was given, uh, this is a statement from like a high-ranking Catholic official. Father Pavone was given ample opportunity to defend himself in the canonical proceedings, and he was also given multiple opportunities to submit himself yeah. to the authority of his diocesan bishop. Yeah. It was determined that Father Pavone had no reasonable justification for his actions. So... For some unnamed reason, he disobeyed a bishop. Okay. And that really, publicly, is why he's no longer a priest. Now he's just Frank, the creepy fetus dude who <laughs> does Catholic cosplay to convince people that God wants them to support uh. mega Republicans. On Sunday of last week, mind you, all this happened in early November, but no one knew about it. Really? Yeah. On Sunday last week, he made another YouTube video. And for the first time, he wasn't wearing traditional Catholic garb. He was wearing like a leather jacket. Cool. But he did wear the white collar, which he I don't... did or did not? He did. He was wearing like with the With his leather white, jacket? Yeah, with a leather yeah. jacket over I'm it. I'm not a regular priest. I'm a cool priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Steve Buscemi, like I'm going back to high yeah, school honey, meme. Yeah, how do you kids? Yes. Um, which, again, they didn't get rid of the monster. And I'm worried that because they didn't take action four or five years ago... Uh, this guy is going to have plenty of power and a base who thinks the Catholic Church is too woke or whatever mm, it is. Sure, you gotta. Um, and that's because the Catholic Church let this guy fester for years. Uh, I, I don't mean, know. I guess good for them for doing <laughs> something. Maybe Question for mark? doing something. It's too little, too late at this point. Truly, it's truly, you're right. <laughs> okay, this story is wild from Canada. A couple of, uh, between 2015 and 2017, it turns out there's a Canadian Museum for Human Rights. You can imagine cool. what that is inside. They are talking about their country's history of hopefully advancing human rights over the course of a long period of time uh -huh. and what that struggle looks like today. And it has exhibits for all this stuff. It is supposed to be an educational place, the place you take kids to on a field trip if you're at school. Well, okay. between 2015 and 2017, there were also Christian schools. And in Canada, some of those Christian schools get public funding. Some Christian schools said, we want to go to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights as a field trip. But this became news later. A couple of those schools asked the museum, hey, can you, like, hide the parts of the museum that talk about LGBTQ rights? No. <laughs> yeah. They said, just, like, cover it up. We don't want our kids to see any Wait of that stuff. Wait a second. Like, one person called or, like, a committee was like, we're going to let them see human rights. Multiple schools asked the museum to Fuck hide you. this stuff from them. And the museum said, okay. No! Yeah. And by the way, that meant it put staffers in the awkward position, like, including LGBTQ staffers, of having to shield students from an important part of Canadian history because their bosses cared more about admission fees than educating students. Ooh, that's very American of uh -huh. you, Canada. Watch your back. So, by the way, this organization that runs the museum is supposedly dedicated to preserving and promoting Canada's human rights heritage, both inspiring and ugly. 
Um, they were willing to erase that heritage if a handful of bigots didn't like it. That's like a science museum saying, oh, creationist oh, yeah, school yeah, yeah. wants to come visit our museum. Yeah, we'll hide we'll, the evolution we'll section. Close down the biology wing. Yeah, Do who needs that? Don't worry about it. Um, so the CBC News reported that story a couple years ago. And not only did the museum promise we are never again adapting tours at the request of religious schools. The CEO at the time, his name was John Young, who allowed that to happen soon stepped down. He said, I'm not going to run for re-election here. I'm going to step down when my term ends. So Did he have anything to say about it? Uh, Not really. (laughs) Not really. But anyway, the museum seemed to take care of the issue in the sense that they they were publicly shamed for what they did. The guy in charge is no longer there, and they no longer do that sort of thing. So good, that's what should happen. If people come to the Human Rights Museum, they should see the full scope Uh of human rights that you were talking about. Um, But here's the flip side of this. At the time when the CBC was reporting on the censorship, they wanted to know which schools had made the requests because it's a government yes, yes, yes. museum and a lot of these are public schools. Like, so they file public record Let's go requests. Let's knock on some doors. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. They had like a list of, I don't know, maybe like five or seven schools that made this request. And a handful of them were like, I mean, whatever. Yeah, we did make that request. But two schools were like, we do not want you to print any article that mentions our school's names in your article. And they went to court <gasps> to sue the CBC News from publishing that information. Oh, my God. I love this story so much. Uh-huh. They said, this is a spokesperson. The uh, People say, I'm trying to look for the specific reason that they offered. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering why they don't want their name listed. Is it because they think it will invite some kind of like hate or retaliation or are they embarrassed which doesn't feel right (laughs) i i think that's what it was they were afraid that they would be harassed over the fact that they were the schools that made this request they're not wrong but generally i would say this the original solution to that should have been don't do the thing in the first place yeah that's exactly but it doesn't sound like that's the uh the the lesson they're learning <laughs> but who knows? Right. They just didn't want to get embarrassed. They didn't want to put their students in any danger. So they Being said. Being called out as a bigot is very embarrassing, believe you me. Uh huh. They said it would. Oh, this is my favorite. They said if you tell people what our names are, the school's names, it, this from the CBC, it would likely cause us financial harm in the form of reduced grants and lower enrollment. Yeah, dog. Yeah. That's if you tell people you what we believe, up. then people might not like us. Well, guess what? This uh, past week, they lost that battle in court. The judge basically said, no, you don't get to hide your names from this public records request. So now Good. I can tell you, the schools were called Sterling North in Stonewall, Manitoba, Sterling North, Stonewall, okay. and Sterling West, uh, Pembina, Pembina in Minnesota. These are schools close to the museum that are part of Minnesota is still in the United States, it is right? For now. Okay. Um, but basically, these schools are part of the same umbrella organization. And this, the umbrella organization said, we don't want anyone finding out about it. They are run by a group called the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, which is one of those like Amy Coney Barrett like small Christian sure, groups yeah. that has a larger than you might expect. Uh, number of members, mm-hmm. but people outside their bubble probably don't know much about them. Sure. But it's a conservative Christian group. They operate now, they're under the umbrella of one school, that's one word, one school global, 
And they were the ones who filed the lawsuit and said, we don't want to tell anyone about this. Mm. But ever since, now that the CBC can publish their school's names, Mm -hmm. uh, they said, we regret any offense. This incident is one which the school regrets and has learned from. Our teachers and students all uphold our core values, which include compassion, kindness, and respect for all people. Except for gay people. Except for gay people. Yeah, like, it's a weird statement, because they're not apologizing for the censorship request. Definitely not. They're not apologizing for even asking the museum to censor itself for their behalf. Um, And they're not even apologizing for trying to hide their identities. They're like, you guys were nice. Just remember, put this in the paper. Right. We're nice people. Right. Uh, when we, <laughs> we know the educational system is going great in the U.S. and Canada is that schools have parent corporations <laughs> and are under, like, conglomerates. Like, yeah. where did we go so spectacularly awry? Mm-hmm. Are we really trying to make profit off of schools, gang? Man. Come on. I should say the What's CBC next? also Prisons? noted that in 2005... The church, the Plymouth Brethren Church, fought against gay marriage in Canada through an anonymous mail and advertising campaign. So brave. <laughs> totally oh, brave. Oh, just they like love Jesus hiding did. their he identity. He was like, don't say my name to anybody. <laughs> We're going to do this sneaky sneaky. So these people have spent years not only actively campaigning against LGBTQ right. rights, then they didn't want their students to learn about the fact that other people had to overcome people like them to achieve rights. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, it's truly the gift from whatever it is of, like, are we the baddies? <laughs> right? And so here's the question. Like, I one, I don't even know why they wanted to take their kids to the museum when they actively oppose civil rights and human rights. Oh, I'm sure there were white like, people in there who were oppressed in some way or another. Clearly. Um, and also, I... I still have this belief that if you're a staffer or an administrator at these schools, I get that it's hard to leave a job when you don't necessarily have something else lined up. Mm -hmm. And if you have religious ties to this place, but also you're complicit in this because you're not speaking out against this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But my favorite part about this whole thing is that these Sterling schools, which tried to block the CBC from reporting their identities, they now have to pay the legal bills for both the museum and the CBC. Uh, but I don't Yay, think it'll as long matter. As the students are hurt. That's all that matters. I know. Well, to be fair, they were not educating students with it, so they're not going to miss any money that was going to kids. Fuck, man, these people. I'm telling you. Right. One last story for you, because uh, this one also has a somewhat happy ending. Um, it turns out that years ago there is a uh, Planned Parenthood of Greater Washington and North Idaho in the city of Spokane, Washington. And for years, there was a church at Planned Parenthood, which was basically an anti-abortion group that protested outside the facility. Mm, We've got one of those over here. Mm -hmm. And their protest, though, arguably violated the law because they were blocking patient care. It's one thing to protest when you're just having signs outside. Right. But they were, like, prohibiting people from getting in the building, harassing them outside the building through intimidation. Mm -hmm. They used speakers to loudly denounce abortion, even though state law prohibits excessive noise and intrusion. They got right up outside the doors of the clinic. Mm -hmm. So their protests were not legal protests. Right. And this was this was not a constitutionally protected form of debate or protest. This was harassment. Yes. So in September of 2020, a judge in Washington put a temporary stop to it 
and said, if you want to protest, you got to be 35 feet away. Mm -hmm. The gatherings can only occur after the clinic has stopped accepting new patients for the day, like after 6 p.m. Okay. You can't block the entrance. You can't trespass on their property. You can't disturb the peace. It's pretty it standard a, protest. Absolutely. Rules, right? yeah. The problem with that is that the temporary injunction only applied to the people Planned Parenthood named in their lawsuit, which was like the leader. Individually named? Yeah. They, uh, they sued like the leaders oh, of that, makes that sense, group. Yeah. So, but other members of the church just kind of kept on doing their thing. Mm -hmm. But just a year like later, Jesus wanted them to do. Exactly. A year later, that preliminary injunction was made permanent, and this time it applied to everybody involved. Um, but the good news now is that, you know, the, the people who were part of the anti-abortion group kept complaining mm -hmm. and whining about it. One guy, uh, Ken Peters, said, it's only going to stir us up more, and it's only going to make us more aggressive and make us grow our movement. It's called so, a threat? Yeah. I he, think. Nothing screams we're a true patriot like uh, the people who say the Constitution stop won't stop us from doing what we want to do. Yeah, true patriots <laughs> know that there's only certain parts of the Constitution. It's like one of those invisible things where you paint with milk and then you iron it. That's the real Constitution. It's the Nick Cage exactly, one on the back. Exactly. Uh, Peter said he was going to get more legal advice and pray about it before deciding whether to appeal that decision, the injunction. Wait, wait, wait. legal advice from who? I don't know. And pray about and it. Pray. So is he uh, is he praying about it and asking Jesus like, hey, Jesus is his lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Are you? Do you have your uh, bar? Did you pass the bar in this state? Can you? Uh, can we you give me help. advice? Yeah. Uh, but he said uh, he he said he wasn't going to defy the order, but he did want to know if legally they had a way to fight back against it. Bottom line is they did not have any legal route yeah. to victory. So the question remained: How much will they have to pay for violating the law and protesting illegally and fighting it in court? Huh. Now we have an answer. The church at Planned Parenthood will have to pay a hundred ten thousand dollars in damages to Planned Parenthood yes. for interfering with patient care because the judge said the protesters' actions, I'm quoting here, created an increased risk of hypertension increased pain, and a variety of psychiatric symptoms yeah. for Planned Parenthood patients. TCAP, the church at Planned Parenthood, repeatedly violated Washington state law by willfully or recklessly disrupting the normal functioning of a healthcare facility by, among other things, making noise that unreasonably disturbs the peace within the facility. Hmm. Like, you can read that in the law. They yeah. were, uh, And then... Ken Peters, he admitted that they lost, but he acted like this is persecution. He said on Facebook, we lost in court. We appealed and lost again. We owe Planned Parenthood a lot of money for singing, praying, and preaching. We owe Planned Parenthood for lawful and peaceful assembly. We obeyed everything the police ever asked us to do. Ever asked us ever. to do. We did it on city property after their murder day once a month. That's not English, but that is what he wrote. Wait, is it? Their murder day? I, I have no idea. Um, and then he said, I would do it again. It's a badge of honor. I think every church ought to be sued by Planned Parenthood. You know what they do? What? Murder. Um, please pray for us. But basically, mm. he didn't obey the law. He was breaking the law. This was not peaceful assembly. And he has no remorse. So all I'm taking away from his reaction is the penalty should have been higher if it was possible to make uh, yeah, it Yeah, it seems like, and honestly sounds like he's going to keep on keeping on. And yeah. so maybe we can get that church shut down. But I'm glad to hear that this religious extremist group will now have to pay 110 k in civil damages. That's very funny. Right?
And I will stop there, I know, Uh, because I'm looking out your window and I see all the snow and I'm going to be snowed in. It's a snow and we still have to do our bonus episode. We will. We have a lot to talk about in the bonus that didn't apply to church-state separation. I watched movies this week. Really? I I had free time. Wait, what movies? I'm talking like an Indian movie that's 11 hours long. It was crazy. Indian movies are so long. And and because this was brought up on our Facebook forum, which if you're listening, come join. Mm. Um, someone brought up a crossword that was very offensive, and I want to talk about that for a oh, brief minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> that would be fun, and I'll understand what's going on. No, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So uh, lots to do there, but if if uh, you are feeling generous this holiday season, please support us at patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Um, leave us a review if you feel like leaving us a review. Yep. I hope you all uh, avoid the cold and storm and have a safe uh, holiday season. Next week, yes. what are we doing? We ha- I almost completely forgot about our garbage year wrap up that we have done every year since 2016. Um, and it's basically Hemant uh, gets the week off and I sit down and go through all of the major news stories of the year. And we just talk about, you know, the tenuous nature of time and <laughs> how weird it is and what we've learned and what's changed. Oh, my God. It's snowing so much. We have to go. I know. So next week will be our year end wrap yeah. up. And uh, I think that's it. You could find me at Hemant Meta on Twitter while it's still around. Yeah, I'm at Jess Blimke on Twitter. It seems to be thriving, I uh-huh. guess. Who I knows? would tell you my Mastodon account, but I honestly have no clue what it is. I don't know it's what it is somewhere. still. Oh, right. wait, I have to go through the things I'm going to talk about besides your things. Oh, Daddy yes. came to the barn with me yesterday. It was adorable. Um, I've been watching this show, or I finished this show, Kevin Can Fuck Himself, or Kevin Can <laughs> F Himself, and I really, I think it is so fucking good i can't believe it and i think it was really deserved by its name and marketing campaign i also finished when welcome to rexum um that's it all right we'll see you uh next week bye